Well, welcome back to the podcast, Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. Dr. Jeff Bucknam is the lead pastor of vision and teaching at Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicagoland, which is a new title, which is exciting. Yeah, we try to keep it fresh around here. Yeah, fresh. You know, I'm change, still co-host of the podcast, Tommy Kreitz, but your title's changed. Yeah. So if I had a card, I would put it on my card. You'd Yeah. Do you not have cards? I've never had a card. No, I had a card once that was made for me by somebody and given to me as a gift. Oh, that's kind. Yeah. So just the, one. I, <laughs> I, they gave me like eight or whatever box full. I don't even remember. Oh, okay. I just yeah. used them as, uh, as bookmarks. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I still sometimes, sometimes when I'm looking through a book that I have, I'll, I'll find, You'll find that find one. this old, old one. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Hmm. People make, does that still happen? People still get cards? Yeah, I think they so. They hand them around? Yeah. There's like, uh, there's like different kinds now. There's got the, they've got the digital creative ones. What's that? Um, so it's like a thing. I don't know. It's like a- Oh, some, it's a thing. Thank it, you. <laughs> I'm trying to explain it. I like, I could, I'm pantomiming it, but I know people aren't watching this. So <laughs> Great radio. It's like a, yeah. It looks like this. It looks like this. Can't you see it? It's, uh, it's like a metal or pl- like thick plastic card. And basically the person puts their phone up to it. Like you would tap to pay someone, but this has all of your information and your details on it. So they tap and it like sends them a car, like all of your contact information, what you do and a virus, all of your website stuff. Yeah. And it charges them money. No, (laughs) extracts their credit card numbers. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think I'd ever use that. I never gave a card out anyway. Every once in a while, somebody asks me, do you have a card? And I'm like, no. No. No, I don't have a card. Go to harvestbible.org. They don't usually ask me for a card, though, because I'm not dressed like somebody who would have a card. Yeah. <laughs> what is Seriously, I've been in groups before. You got to tell me. Pastors what? meetings and things like that, uh-huh. and everybody else looks the part. You know, a lot of khaki, a lot of khaki. Is that the requirement for having yeah, a business card? Yeah, if you're a pastor, card? you need to have some khaki pants on. Okay. Uh a button down shirt. Yeah. If you're a Baptist, you tuck it in with a belt. And if you are more of a Presbyterian, you just leave that baby out. But yeah. you got a big old beard. And yeah, khaki though. Khaki. You gotta stick with the khaki. And then uh those guys will like be somebody will ask, Oh, do you have a card and let's connect and stuff? But they don't ask me because I dress like I dress, which is very nice. What would you say your style. style is? Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, something I've thought about a lot, Tommy. <laughs> I've, uh, Tommy, I got to tell you, yeah. I see, I see the clothes uh-huh. and I buy those clothes. Yeah. And then I, and then I get home. What do you think about when you buy those clothes? You're like, eh. oh, those clothes would look nice on me. No, 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 no clothes look nice on me. <laughs> so I, I, I don't usually, the bar's very low. Okay. Let's just say the bar's very low. Okay. It's not uncommon for me to stand in front of my wife on a Sunday morning and ask this very question. Mm-hmm. Do I look stupid? Yeah. And she says, no, you don't look stupid. Yeah, I mean, no, I like, didn't say that. Like, like saying you that you, to, yeah. No, I said, but you, you have to say that because you're my wife. Yeah. But seriously, do I look stupid? And she says, no, no. And then I say, and then I turn around and go, I look stupid. <laughs> And then I go to church. That's good. I go to church and then I walk into the, into the, um, green room or whatever. And there's a mirror in the bathroom or whatever. And I look at it and I think I knew it. I look stupid. I knew it. Do you not have a mirror at your house? I do, but my mirror at my house is deceptive. I don't know why Hmm. I look great in that mirror. Oh yeah. I'm a different man in that mirror. Interesting. And then I get to church 
And that it's mirror just, is like, yeah. nah, you weren't. It's just not, the lighting. Not, it's just you're it's not that guy. And then, and then they post pictures of me online, and yeah. it's at that point that I'm like, oh wow, I really am not the person I thought. <laughs> I, and I curse that mirror in my house. <laughs> I curse that mirror. But I don't want to get rid of it because yeah. it's the only mirror that makes me feel even moderately Feels okay. Nice. Wow, wow. It's it is super relatable though. I do feel the same way. I'm not a style guy. I Rubbish. always ask. I, no, I asked Kelly. She's that's it. She's the one. She dresses me. You're like her Ken doll. Correct. Yeah. If it was up to me, I'd be wearing boots and. You're the coolest looking dude around. That's untrue. What? No. You got the funky haircut and you wear all no the mustache. modern stuff. Yeah. What you don't know, folks, is that Tommy Kreitz has decided to shave his mustache or Not somebody else shaved it for him. Big deal. And uh, he's he actually had some consulting done. And they told, I'm not kidding, actually, yeah. he had some consulting done and they they figured out a look for him. Yeah. So And it wasn't mustache. No mustache. Yeah. So if you have, uh, if you have like a spectrum, yeah. you could put Tommy Crates at one end of being cool and with it and just put me on the other end saying curses his mirror. Curses his mirror. Oh, no. I don't think that's true that at all. Be, I think we're closer that than... Be, that could actually be the spectrum for all people. And then they could end up saying, oh, I'm kind of halfway to Tommy. I'm like sort of a three-quarters Tommy. That's and a, then other people are like, well, I'm really close to Jeff on that. Yeah, I can. I mean, I'm not Jeff. I I'm feel like Jeff. you and I are similar. <laughs> no, I feel... Don't. I do feel this. Yes, but I like the fact that I can see your face now. Yeah. You look like a young man. It's... Yes. How old that's are you? What, I'm 34. Yeah. And you were trying to hide the 34 by having the scraggly mustache. Well, you know, I was, I, I just went into a phase. Okay. You know, I went into a mustache phase. Tommy, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Now that you've cut your mustache mm -hmm. off, I'm going to tell you something really important. <laughs> One of the women who lives in my house, mm -hmm. okay, there's only two of them, mm -hmm. there's a daughter and a wife. Uh -huh. One of them yep. came home after you preached this sermon and says, when's you going to get rid of that thing? <laughs> It doesn't it's sound like it's sort like... of hanging over his lips and stuff. And I don't, it, it just, yeah, I can't take my eyes off it. It's like a giant caterpillar. <laughs> I don't even know what he's saying. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of like the providence of the Lord then, yeah, isn't so it? There you go. I bet you a lot of people thought that this weekend <laughs> and uh, their prayer was answered it was almost immediately. Yeah. So anyway, um, you, you look sharp. Thank you. We, uh, this is Everyone listening, they wouldn't know this, but we had, well, well, they would know about the ice, the great ice storm of 23 that yeah. happened last, It for us, it happened last week. We had a podcast ready to go. This podcast. Yeah. So we might be a, maybe a week behind on our podcast. No, they had to fill it. Fit, we had to even fill know. in with a, like, with a best of, <laughs> best which, was, of yeah. which is a very empty bucket. Yeah. <laughs> they the best down of. in there and they were like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, um, and so we did a whole podcast yeah. um, with this intro. I think we talked about the train. Yeah, we did. Turned over and the spy balloon. We had lots of. And let me know. It was the, probably the best banter you and I have ever had. And, and they will now never hear it. Exactly. It's been lost to, uh, wow. to Russia. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we did this and we actually did an entire interview. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. With who? With Kristen Hendricks, right. who has graciously come back to do the same interview over again. Yeah. And uh, it's okay. I went home mm -hmm. this week and wanted, because I knew that we weren't, 
you know, the thing had fallen apart last week because of Wes, Wesley, because of him. Yeah, for sure him and not the... No, nothing. Ice storm, losing power. Um, And I... I've, I've come prepared with a little bit more aggressive questioning of Kristen this wow. week. Wow, all right. It's going to be a little bit more... Mm. I'm not going to let her off the hook this week. Wow. All right. <laughs> you heard it here. And so we are... Uh, prayerfully not going to lose power this time this interview and podcast is going to go live and it's going to be great and we're going to have a conversation with christian Hendricks, who is a member of our church uh involved in the women's ministry of our church and many other areas and so you guys are going to have a conversation because we believe that everyone has a story and we're going to get into her story right now sitting here with Kristen Hendricks for the second time, yes. Kristen. We've become good buddies now. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's great to have you back. Thank you very much for coming back. And uh, even though we got all of our power got cut out and so um, our recording went to somewhere. Yeah. Russia. Probably. Russia. The Chinese have it. I know they do. Um, where are you from? Like originally? Yeah. I well, where do you live now? Like, what's your what's the town that you you live in? I live in Sleepy Hollow, which is a, is that a town? Yeah, it's like a little village. Okay, it's right on. It's right north of ninety. You know, I, yeah, so it's in between Elgin and Algonquin. It's a little weird. It's cute. I don't know about we cute. Love it's a little it. weird. You know, what's Sleepy Hollow is one that well. If you you there are people still driving around on those streets, don't know how to get out. The streets of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> I think go on circles all around yes, yes. and you're like you can see mm-hmm. randall road from time to time you're like mm-hmm. that's the road i want but then you can't yes. get out there it's a quagmire and people come to my house because i host things and it's a thing yeah it's very uh, yeah yeah which is why we like it <laughs> well that's good i'm uh but that's not that was not where you you grew up of course no i grew up in a small town in illinois princeton it's like two hours Southwest, cute little town, all of 7,500 people. Yeah. When you say cute little town, you mean like down the downtown? Yeah. Is, like it's you, charming. Okay. It's like a little St. Charles. What's the coolest thing in Princeton? Oh. Like if I went there and I had to have the 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 quintessential Princeton experience, what would what would I do? Well, it does have like the cute little downtown. Like some shops and some cute little restaurants. Is there like a restaurant or a shop that's you like that's the place? Yeah, I don't know what it is now. But back in the day when antiques were a big deal, when everybody was into antiques, it was known for that. And we had big antique malls and shops. Oh and wow, people would come from all over yeah, and they'd actually, antique in, they would antique. It was a big antiquing town. Yeah. Why is it there? Why is like the historically town? Why does it do you even know oh is it a gosh. farming community or something? Yeah, and then um, um, Pioneer Seed Company was there. Oh. That was a big deal. And now Ace Hardware has a big hub thing there. But you grew up in in the town, Mm -hmm. like in a neighborhood town. You're not out in the farm or anything like that. You didn't have any horses? No (laughs) horses. Rabbits? (laughs) What kind of pets did you have when you were a kid? I had two Samoyed dogs. A what? Samoyed is the big fluffy white dogs that are really... 
How, sweet faces. How big are they? Giant. They're like 80 pounds, 100 pounds. Really? Yeah. Two? Did you have them at the same time? Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Yeah. Our whole house was white fur. Yeah. Yeah. What were their names? Tasha and Yuri. Why? I don't know. My mom liked Russian names. I think they're Russian dogs. Okay, I think so she decided that she connection. wanted to go with the Russian. She, yeah. Stalin she wasn't in an keeping with the theme. <laughs> Vladimir. Yeah, so. Is this Lenin and Stalin? My, my fluffy white dog. Um, great. You have brothers and sisters? I have two older brothers. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. How much older? One is one year older than me, and the other is two and a half years older than me. So Did you fight with the one year older than you? No. In fact, what? I fought with the one that was older. So, like, when we were in high school, one was a senior, one was a sophomore, and I was a freshman. So we were all really right. close. And the Matt, who was one year older than me, we were like BFFs and got along great. And the older brother is the one that was, like, scary. Did he fight with both of you? Or just you? Um, both, but I provoked him more, oh, so yeah. I got more of the okay. wrath. All right. Yeah. Still, still, that still happens? Of course not. Okay. <laughs> no, all through high school, and then um, after he graduated, he decided he liked me, he and decided we became that he really good friends. Yeah. wouldn't be that jerk. I was anymore. not allowed to make eye contact with him at school. Really? Yeah, it was a rule. Wow. Yeah. That is pretty aggressive. He was, Did he yeah. tell you that? Did he, he was be- all in on it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You had a, like a he private He would give me meeting. a ride, and then like we would go our separate ways. And, and then say, I wasn't allowed to like interact with him. When you got out of the car, he'd say, now don't ever look at me. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll see you at home. Like that was it. And, and like, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Did you grow up playing in any kind of sports or anything? So I did track, and I did cheerleading for two years. You're a big runner. I'm not. Yeah, but you kind of are, aren't you? Don't you no, like no, no. run to this very day? No. No? No. You're thinking of Alyssa from the uh, cathedral. I'm thinking about Alyssa from the cathedral. <laughs> and that is but cool you, don't run any, you don't run anymore. Oh, no. I what never, did you run in track? I, like I did sprints and stuff. It's a small town, so you just join because they need warm bodies okay. and your friends are in it. Could you so, beat me in a sprint? I, well, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I agree. There's a lot of people who can beat me in a sprint. Uh, and for how long did you run? Not, it was just for a few years. That's a good question. I think I did all four years of track and I don't remember ever enjoying it. Did you like like track meets? No, like I liked hanging out with my friends and that's what you did. That's kind of what a track meet is. Yeah. You go, you you hang out with your friends and your competition is like, oh, you got to go down there and run and it lasts 10 seconds or whatever. You were there for six hours to participate for about 25 seconds. Yeah. I used to swim competitively and that was basically what happened. You had... The swim meet lasted forever. And where I lived in Seattle area, you know, the summers aren't always warm and yeah. you'd be outside oh. freezing. Yeah. And I mean, I remember a guy, people would bring sleeping bags and yeah. they'd lay in a sleeping bag until it was time for you to go swim. You go swim, get all wet, come back, <sighs> lay in your sleeping bag. It just, That's not I think fun. about it now. It's terrible. It's like, Why? I could have played so many other yeah. sports where you actually were doing things, but oh. I chose swimming, I guess. Um, so you went to high school there at what high school? Princeton high school. Okay. And what, uh, <laughs> what year did you graduate? 92. From Prin- 1992 mm-hmm. from Princeton. Did you used to ride, did you ride the bus to school? No, my mean brother drove me to school. Oh, wow. That's pretty. Yeah. Did you guys have a bus that went to school? Yeah, but I was close enough to the school. Why I wouldn't have qualified to ride it. Okay. Like I was pretty close. Okay. Yeah. Were you Christian? 
uh, no. Like I maybe thought I was. Like I went to church and stuff. What kind of church? To a little church that was a non-denominational Bible church. Oh. And I'm sure it was wonderful and theologically sound. I just didn't know. Yeah. Because I didn't have ears to hear any of what was going on. Were your parents Christians? Yes. Committed? Yes. I mean, yeah. It was definitely like, like you the guys thing were at church you regularly. Sunday, yeah. But that was. Yeah. You would have grown up in the 70s and 80s. And mm-hmm. so, probably in the Midwest in the 70s, 80s, everybody kind of went to church. Yeah. Yeah. All your yeah so, it there. wasn't weird and it was just a thing, but it wasn't like a major um, part of my growing up. Not you were you weren't part of like youth group and stuff then. Not really. Okay. Like did they have one? They did, and if I could get out of going, I would. So I would try things, and I would go. Like my older brother would go to things. Were they more involved, your brothers? My brother that was a year older than me was. Okay. He was more involved, and I tried, and I just it wasn't for me. But I wasn't forced to go either, so mm. I just kind of bowed out. Got it. Yeah. Graduated in nineteen ninety two, and mm-hmm. then you decided that you would go to. What do you want? To, did you go straight to work? Did you go to college? I went to Illinois State. Yep. Yep. And For, um, to do what? To study art. Yeah. Because that's what that was the thing that I just love to do. When did you start your art? Like at what point in your life? I had always like even as a little kid like drew pictures and created stuff. You were do- would, were you kind of like a doodler? Oh yeah, and like my dad had this really cool shop in his garage, and he'd let me like like work with his tools, which is crazy. But, like, I would be working on a bandsaw when I was, like, 11. <laughs> Not kidding. Yeah, and I'm so going like, to go work on the bandsaw. Yeah. Like, All gosh, right, see you later. Yeah, keep your fingers. But, like, I was always creating. I was always making stuff. Oh, and yeah. so. What was your favorite things to make? Did you like to paint or uh, sculpt or cl- did you work with clay or that well, kind of thing? I guess mostly drawing and painting because that's what I had access to. Okay. And so I was excited to go and do, like, some just other things and have access to cool studios and whatever. What is the largest thing you've ever painted? Oh. Like, have you ever done a mural or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, Some yeah, people yeah. are like, oh, yeah. you're good, yeah. good at it. Go paint the side of our gym wall. Yeah, oh, I didn't do a gym wall. You but did? No, you I did not. But I did do some business, you know, businesses and okay. stuff like that. But, yeah, did a lot of murals. So four, four years? Did you graduate in four years? Mm-hmm. Were you part of, like, a, a just dorms or a sorority or anything like that? Lived in the dorms for two years and in an apartment with friends for the other two years. Got it. And, and they were they all... Uh, were they all art majors too, or no. is this people you just knew from high school or just met? No, at just random, okay. like the random luck of the draw, and it worked out, and we liked each other, and we're that's, good friends. That's great. Yeah. So you graduated, and uh, is there is there a, a boy? In <laughs> There's the world a boy at this point? in the world at this point. So I went to ISU, and I got a job working at a hotel. And that's where I met Joe. Which which hotel? It's called Joomer, and I don't think it exists anymore. Well. I don't know if it's still a Joomer hotel is what it was called. Yeah. It was this fancy, like, European kind of French motif. And at the time, it was really, really fancy. So what, do you all have to dress really nice yeah. to work Yeah, like, there? wear, like, the bow tie and the, wow. the, like, the tuck shirt. Really? Yeah. What was your job? I was a waitress and cocktail waitress. Oh. Joe was a bartender. Okay. Mm-hmm. So workplace romance. Workplace romance. Love at first sight? Um, yes and no. I mean, for him, yeah. Um, obviously. Um, actually, so we met 
and we hung out with a group of people and I just knew that I liked him. I was like, I dig that guy's style. Yeah. And I was actually dating somebody else who attended Bradley University in Peoria. Okay. And just interacting with Joe, I was like, yeah, I'm going to like ditch this other guy because there was just something like, that's not what I want. I want something. And if it was, I want something like that. And so then the more that I got to know Joe, I I was just like, yeah, like, was it just at work that you were getting to know him mostly? Um, yeah. And then we'd hang out afterwards, like big group of people, you know, like the way the restaurant biz. When did he, did you ask him out to, on a date? Or did he ask no. you out on a date? Or was it like, we don't, not even sure if we ever went on a date. We just started hanging out together. Yeah, yeah. And then he did officially ask me, which my older brother, Paul, the one that was mean, who turned nice, yeah. was very protective, and he happened to work there too. And he was friends with Joe before I even knew Joe. Oh. And he said that he wasn't super fond of the idea of me dating Joe because he was an older man. How much older? So he's five years older. So when I met him, I was like, not even 20 yet. And oh, so, wow. Yeah. Joe was 25. So I, I get it. Days, I get it. What? It's not that. I mean, that's not uncommon these right. days. Right. Right. I mean, it's, I don't know. It seems like a lot of men, especially these days too, like they mature in their mid 20s mm-hmm. and women mature in their early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not the other way around. Seriously, how many nineteen-year-old guys do you know who are marrying twenty-six-year-old women? No, very few. What? I'm what? D- Wesley did that. Wesley, our producer, did that. Oh wow! Right, five, he's five years younger. Nice. Right. So that's a cradle rob right there. <laughs> <laughs> he was like sixteen when he got married. I'm kidding. He's not. It wasn't sixteen. Um. All right. So how long did you date? Um, pretty much all through college. Okay. And then he graduated before me uh-huh. and he got a job in Memphis. And so he went to Memphis and we, and I finished at ISU. For how long were you separate? Um, a year. I had to finish my senior year. Oh. And then we were going to plan this whole big wedding. And then we were just what, like, did you, were, did you plan to get married prior to him leaving? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think I was engaged. My like, senior How did he year. ask you to marry him? Did he? Well, Are you sure? Okay. You sure he did? Oh, yeah, of course he did. But this is before everything was like epic and everything had to be, inter- you know, like on yeah, yeah. You know, social media. And so it was just really sweet. And it was just, just the two of us, no photographers or anything. Okay. Really Where sweet. though? Just like. It's actually in my apartment. My man. Yeah, it was very sweet. Yeah. Did were any, no second, like, were you surprised that he asked you to marry him? Um, honestly, no, not really, because it was one of those things we had talked, talked about it so much, just because the logistics, because yeah, he yeah, yeah. was moving and all this, and we're like, is this going to be a thing? Are we going to stay together? And yeah. all of that. And then yeah. we were like, yes, we are. Oh, that's fantastic. When yeah. did you get married? What's your anniversary? It is January 4th, 97. So it was right after. I graduated in December, and we got married like a couple weeks later, just to, so I could move down and be with him in Memphis. And then you moved to Memphis. Yes. You're still an artist at this point. I'm still an artist. So I graduated with a BFA. Right. Yeah. Bachelor of Fine Arts. Mm-hmm. Having okay. no idea what I was going to do with it. Yeah. And most people who graduate with Bachelor of Fine well, Arts. Well, I mean, like, it, I should have taken gender studies. It would have uh, been better. <laughs> it wasn't lost on me that I could have taken business classes. Yeah. But then you would be studying business and not be like doing what you actually want to do in right. the art studio. So I was like, I'll figure it out. But I know this is what like I'm supposed to do. But you and you did sort of figure it out. You started being a an artist. I mean, yeah. you actually were doing. Yeah, like honestly, throughout my whole life, I've always used my creative like skills in some way, shape, or form. How are you currently using your art and creative skills? Um, right now, I'm illustrating a book. Oh. So, what's the book? 
Can I ask? It's one that I wrote a couple of years ago, and I'm finally getting around to illustrating it myself. Uh, is it for children or adults? Is it just, sorry, it probably should be for children. Well, right? yeah, yeah, it is, but it's kind of one of those multi-generational books that yeah. is kind of like, What's you know, it about? Like, um, it's about a girl who builds a thing. Okay. And then her thing shatters, and then she's devastated, and then the Lord helps her pick up the pieces, and it's just this journey that they go on. It's lovely. Is it, uh, are you going to self-publish it or are you going to publish it through a publisher? I haven't gotten that far. Okay. We'll see. You like it? Do you think that the b- book's... Yes, I love it. Labor of love type thing? I, I love it because I know it's from the Lord. Yeah. That's 100%. A, that's great. Did you ever think you'd be like writing a a book like that? Um, When I wrote it, I, I was like, I was just amazed because it wasn't something that I would write. What led you to do it? This is a cool story. My oldest daughter, Hannah, went to YWAM, and so she's on the other side of the world, and she was, you know, just dealing with a lot of stuff, as one will when they're 18 on the other side of the world. And we were um, talking back and forth, and I was, I'd been writing her letters, and um, and I just, she was asking me to write her, and so instead of being like, well, the dogs and everybody's doing, you know, like, what do you say? And so I started to write her, like, little, like, parables and Mm-hmm. fables and stuff like that and so this is one where I sat down to write it and I just it just all came out within a couple like wow minutes and I I mean it was just like from the Lord and I sent it to her and then she called me when she finally got it and was just like oh my gosh I was crying and everybody in my every I read it to everybody and they were crying and I'm like yeah like it's a just from the Lord that's great that's cool when that happens it's really cool yeah um you guys were married how long before you had kids? Um, I mean, not terribly long. I got pregnant within the first year. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> were like, oh, I guess we're starting family. Right. Uh, your spiritual life at this point is alive, same as it always had been, kind of. <laughs> it's nothing. But like I, so but the thing is, and Joe and I have a similar story in this, that, that we were raised in church. Mm-hmm. We always believed in God and Jesus and the stories in the Bible, and sure, they happened, and great, and that, you know, like, miracles were performed, we just didn't, it wasn't applicable to us, it just didn't, you know, so, like, if you would have asked, are you a Christian, of course, I would have said yes, but I was not a follower of Christ, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. And so we attended a church in Memphis that we loved a lot. And actually the draw was I wanted to use the pool, which is a whole story. And like the, the Lord, the just, church had the pool the, and you had to be a member to be, yes, in the, uh, yes. to use the pool. Yeah. And so I was like, you, we need to become members of this church. And so then like we go and we actually love the church. And so then eventually I ask about becoming a member. So that you can use the pool. Yeah. Because naturally, <laughs> And so what they did, I, it's interesting. Like I find this genius. They separated Joe and me and he talked to a guy and I talked to a gal and they asked the questions that of course you would ask. And I passed cause I knew the answers and Joe did not. <laughs> so they put us in a seeker class, which thank goodness we met awesome people and it's exactly where we needed to be. But I remember being mad at him for, um, for not passing yes, the because, test. Yeah. Cause I was such a spiritual giant at that point. These? I know. I was like, you ruined this for me. So yeah. And you were pregnant at this point. Yeah, yeah. I wanted that's the pool. Yeah, so that's the pool. And it was 180 degrees in Memphis and humid and gross. And I just wanted to be in the water. <laughs> so that was the draw. And but I'm so glad because the Lord used that. And we attended that church. And then we moved up here mm-hmm. and started attending Willow Creek. 
and loved it too. And Mm -hmm. so like we were getting information, like just all of this awesome wisdom and knowledge, not knowing that like we'd, you know, and we, and we would say like, oh, that was a really good sermon. I like that story Yeah. or, you know, stuff like that. But like, we weren't like marveling at like the person of Jesus or the faithfulness of God. We were like talking about how great the church was and, but we didn't know what we didn't know. So did the marveling at the, at the character of God come? Yes, it did how? finally come when, um, after my second daughter was born. She so went, how, how far apart are your daughters? They're three years. Okay. Yeah. So Lulu was born and, um, her name was given to her by her older sister, by the way. And it just stuck. So that's why Lulu. And, um, she was born with a severe deform- deformity called craniosynostosis. And that's where some of the bones in her skull were like prematurely fused. And so as her head grew, it grew lopsided and then it caused um, subsequent brain damage. And you were aware of this after her birth? Yeah, like like immediately, because you could just see, like she was asymmetrical. Her head was kind of egg-shaped in the wrong direction. And yeah, you could tell. I remember one of the nurses saying like, well, sometimes it takes a little bit for the babies to unsmoosh. And I was like, fair. I mean, they've been on a journey. But I was like, "Mm, that's more than unsmooshing. Like there was definitely something wrong. Yeah. And so that's when... Like when you guys in the hospital and you're trying to deal with that kind of thing, was it, I'm assuming that was quite a challenge to be dealing with it at that point? Or was it just, you were kind of like, ah, are you kind of a positive minded person or were you kind of going down the dark alleys? Well, it's funny because my whole thing was like, all right, like this is, this is a thing like that we, this is going to be hard. And I was resolved to be strong and I'm like, I'm going to be strong. And so like, I literally just chose to be strong. Okay. It was absurd because I wasn't. Yeah. And so it was, I was just so duped by thinking that like, you know, I could rally for this. And then like I, I made it like a week, like my parents were there and we had help and help with Hannah and all that. And then it was actually the first time I was ever alone with her. Mm. Joe had to fly out uh, to go somewhere and I had a doctor's appointment because we started all the doctor's appointments right away to see what the thing was. And um, I was by myself for the first time, took her to the doctor and I'm strong. And... Um, the doctor that I went to um, told me what she thought it was, and then I needed to immediately make an appointment with Lori Children's because it was, you know, it was severe. And so I went home, and she was still in her little, like, car seat carrier that you hold, and I just set her down, and I was supposed to call Joe, and I was supposed to call the hospital, and I just didn't do any of it, and I just crumpled on the kitchen floor and just lost it and just looked at her and just knew like, this is going to crush me. I have no idea how to do this. And it was in that moment where I don't even know what the word is. It was like just such like fear and despair and all of the things. And, um, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I knew that I needed God. And I had heard all the people talk about how God met them in their moments and how his grace was sufficient and the peace that passes understanding and all of the things that I'd heard about my whole life. And I had zero idea how to appropriate any of it. I had no idea how it worked. And I realized that like that, that day I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how faith works. I don't think I actually have it. And so I just um, was undone by all of it. And it was just like, you just need to like meet me in my desperation. And I mean, I just like cried out to the Lord and he answered and it was that thus started the journey. So what practically helped you after that? I mean, you get up off the floor and you, you're kind of crushed. You just call your, yeah. did you 
call everybody yeah. you were supposed to call and yeah. and you just do the things. I mean, you do the things. You put one foot in front of the other and you make the phone calls and you go to the appointments and you do what you're told, which that's one thing that's kind of nice about something that is so epically out of your control. It's not like I could do anything. Right. It was literally like you can only do what you're told to do in terms of like medically. And um but yeah, like the the actual so like I had faith and I was instantly like, okay, I'm all in, but like I mean the sanctification process was still very messy. Right. And so I mean I was just, I was handle, an infant. How did like, Joe handle all this? Um like well obviously we're in the same boat, yep. but differently because we handled things differently. And so this was our first like major crisis in our life and in our marriage and like it's our faith journey, which was brand spanking new, and we had no idea what we were doing. And so we didn't handle it that great for a really, really long time, to be honest with you. Yep. And so it was interesting. One of um, Lulu's surgeons, it wasn't even a psychologist, I think it was like one of her eye doctors. Um, we were doing a, a consult, and she just looked at us, and she's like, how are you two doing? Yeah. And we're like, we're fine, we're fine, we're doing all the things. And um, she's like, did you know that statistically most marriages fail when there's a sick child involved? Right. She's like, the best thing you can do to help heal your child is to make sure that you guys are okay. And I just remember, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday because I was like, mm, we're not okay. Yeah. I don't know how to make anything. I don't know how to do, I know how to do any of this. So yeah, it was definitely baptism by fire. So you get involved. I mean, you start getting more and more involved in church after this, I'm assuming. Is that? Yeah. So yeah. by this time we'd moved to Elburn, which is a little town um, outside of St. Charles and we were in um, just a small community which was just so awesome because we were in a little church that was like my community around us was just awesome yeah life really giving. awesome and that is one thing when I trace like you know like the different themes in your life the Lord has always been so faithful to provide wonderful women in my life mm. it's just astonishing like when I was never asking for it or looking for or even when I was kind of bristling at the idea of it there's always been someone that has come alongside me and said you can't do this by yourself yeah. and I'm like I know I'm trying but yeah so we had a great community at that little church that's fantastic mm -hmm. now the story of Lulu takes like an unexpected turn later on I mean she's you t told me last time that yeah. she's about to get married yeah 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 so with her condition, um, like the prognosis was basically that she would probably be challenged for, you know, what, however much they didn't know, because with brain injuries, you just don't know. Right. So you have, it's a literally called the wait to fail model. She had a lot of surgery. Level of, yes. Yeah. The level of deficiency. And so um, her language center was um, damaged. And so when she wasn't talking by the age of like three and a half, four, they were like, she probably isn't. Yeah. gonna ever talk so she kind of had her own language and we did sign language and all of that but um and then it was just amazing one time we were at church and it was during worship and um the lord just so so incredibly clearly just told me i'm gonna put words in lulu's mouth and mm -hmm. it was i hadn't been praying for it didn't wasn't expect wasn't even thinking of lulu and the Lord told me that, and I just knew that I knew that he had said that. And I was um, serving the youth group at the time, and so I was sitting with all the kids, and I happened to be sitting next to this kid, Dan, and I was like, Dan, God just told me that Lulu is going to talk. And he was like, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but it was cool then is like everybody kind of saw this miracle like take place that she slowly began to like. It's amazing. Pick up words, like say words, and um, like drop the signs, and just very slowly. I mean, it was a long process, but she was miraculously healed. And like her doctors were like, "It's a miracle." That's so great. He, her one of her surgeons was like, "We're awesome. 
Because I'm pretty good at what I do. Yeah. But even I didn't do that. <laughs> it's like, sweet. That's fantastic. And now she yeah. talks more than everybody else, she said. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, fantastic. she's the smartest one in our family by far. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Mm hmm. You have, I mean, one of the other things that's interesting is that you've actually been involved. Uh, well, f first of all, you're actually you're currently involved at Harvest in the women's ministry mm -hmm. at Elgin, mm -hmm. the Elgin campus. And what 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 exactly is your role? Um, I'm the women's ministry director. Mm. Yes, nice. there's a whole team of us. That's great. They all just make me look. What's really the best good. thing about the women's ministry at Harvest? Oh, there's, there's just so many awesome women there. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm a woman and I'm not, yeah. But if I am listening to this uh, and I want to get involved, what would, where would I go for the women's ministry? Do I just email you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, just ask somebody in, in the lobby on Sunday. <laughs> we'll yeah. get you plugged in. Okay. Um, you also got involved in a lot of like, uh, uh, you started your own nonprofit, basically. Right? Yes, yes. Tell me a little bit about what that was. Okay. And how it came about. Well, okay, here's the backstory. So before that, I, my sister-in-law and I started a purse company that um, kind of ended up taking off. And so we were doing pretty well for a while. And um, at one point we were like, we should do some kind of a service thing or, you know, whatever, philanthropy so that we can give back and whatever. And so we talked about some different things. And then we ended up going to this women's conference that was just big and they had all these different ministries. And one of the ministries that they were showcasing on this, like his beautiful video was about human trafficking. And when I saw that, like, I don't even, I don't even know how to put this into words, but like, literally I, like, I, it's all I could think about. Like I knew that I knew that I knew that somehow I had to be involved in it. Not because I was like, oh, that's cool. And that's relevant. And oh, that's terrible and tragic. It was literally like the Lord put such a burden on my heart that I I could not not do it. So that's how that came about. So then we'd use um, certain products and whatever and, and would donate to that. And, um, and I got involved with some local stuff in Chicago. And then with the recession, like our business got clobbered. So we had a purse company that was doing this philanthropy and then the, the, the business dissolved and then the philanthropy was not being funded. So I was like, oh gosh. And like, I just knew that I wanted to keep doing that. Hmm. And so it kind of segued into that and then just recreated a different type of funding model and all of that and ended up doing it for nine years. That's fantastic. Yeah. And you specifically, you guys were doing, uh, you were, you were helping, uh, free women from slavery. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that was in Uganda. So originally we were going to be, uh, we were thinking to do something in India um, simply because that's where we had some of our bags manufactured and yeah. thought that was like a good fit, but it wasn't a good fit because to start something there is impossible and you certainly can't have a religious organization there. Right. And um, so then after talking to a billion people and doing a bunch of sleuthing, um, Uganda came up and it just seemed like a really good fit. And so that's why we were there. It's a Christian country yeah. and they were rebuilding after a um, violent conflict in the North. Yeah. And so this already had all these different like aid groups, you know, there and rebuilding. So um, it was just possible. What, like what was the hardest thing t about that whole process? <clears throat> like when you look back at it mm -hmm. now and you think, I don't miss that aspect of it. I'm going to ask you the flip question too. What okay. was the best thing? Um, I think the best thing was being 
literally like in the trenches of um, just seeing God do miracles like every single day. Mm. Like it's just wild and stories are just, they're so wild. It's like I could tell them and nobody believe me. It's like when you talk about your friend from Kenya and all the mm-hmm. witchcraft and all that, I mean, that's just so like we dealt with that every day. It's absolutely incredible to see like how God works and the most horrific of circumstances, as you can imagine, um, and just see like, like a restoration and just see girls like in love with Jesus and just being physically healed, spiritually healed. And like, it's, it was incredible. I couldn't believe I got to be a part of that. Yeah. And the hardest thing <clears throat> was it watching or dealing yeah. with the, the fact that this is even needed. Yeah. Yeah. Conversely, it was like uh, the most, you're dealing with the most horrific evil honestly, right. in the world. And some of it was just pure evil. And some of it was just scary and just like evil people. And, um, but yeah, like there's just so many, just talk about beauty from ashes. Like it mm. was just a giant <coughs> ash heap that I just over the years watched the Lord just do one thing after another. It's incredible. I miss that. Yeah, I bet. But you got, I mean, you stopped doing it because of its life stage or just things going on in your life now? I stopped doing it because I know that the Lord asked me to Mm. and I drug my feet and I did not want to quit at all. Mm. And so, um, it's interesting because when I've heard. Do you feel like the Lord had something else for you or? Um, you just, you weren't sure at the time. It's just an uneasiness about. It was an uneasiness and like, I, it was undeniable. Like it was kind of like, oh, this gnawing thing that wouldn't go away. And it was a big deal because even to, you know, like transition out and to have a succession plan, I didn't, I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. And, um, so yeah, like that took a minute for me to like fully accept and like the creative person in me we had a vocational school where we taught the girls how to sew and do all these different like crafts and all that I just loved it and so even with like uh like we had homes and so we could give those to other organizations you know relatively easily so there's enough people doing similar things to us but um they didn't want the school and I was like sweet that means I'll do something with the school because that was kind of I love to do and the Lord was like no yeah you can't have the school. And then I was like, I'm going to just sit on the board because I, you know, yeah. and even that's no, <laughs> I had to like, just like completely quit it. And I just knew that I knew that, um, I just knew that the Lord was asking me to step down. Yeah. There's no other way of saying it. And, um, I didn't have anything else planned. In fact, I was working on other projects with other things because of what I did. So if I wasn't doing what I did, then those projects wouldn't exist. So I literally went from being like crazy busy and super active in my field and um, to like literally not doing anything. And I knew, and I knew, I was like, oh, I'm, I feel an identity crisis coming on. Yeah, totally. I knew it because I, I, I loved what I did. I was good at what I did. And it just became a huge part of who I was mm-hmm. and became way too much of my identity. And in hindsight, everything that the Lord has shown me has been incredible. It's yeah. like, you know, you can make an idol out of anything and it yeah. was a good thing. And, yeah. and so he was just like, I they just make need the best you. idols, the good things. I know because, oh my gosh, I had such a great pitch and I could justify everything obviously. Cause it was all like, who yeah. is going to say you shouldn't be rescuing girls out of trafficking? Totally. Like literally no one. And so when the Lord was like, you shouldn't be doing that anymore I was like no but here's all of my reasons why I should yeah and I just I was just sad and so even and I mean I was happy that I would be home and spending time with my my kids of course and I like I didn't I didn't feel like it was out of balance in that regard and I just knew that I was going to grieve something that I loved and like 
for what? Like, why are you like, I'm being benched and what I do wrong and what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. So what has the Lord been teaching you in the last while? So that was in like uh, two, 2015, I think. And I think everything was finally done in 2016. And um, because I am such a doer, mm-hmm. the Lord was like, just chill out. And um, so that's what I did. I'm like, all right, I'm going to like lean into this because it already hurts. So I'm just going to lean in and see what like, what, what do you, something I knew, like you have something for me in all of this. And quite honestly, it was like learning how to actually listen to him and hear from him. Yep and dialogue with him and just know who he was and chill out on the doing for a minute mm. and just um, really abide. Yeah, sounds like a, a Martha to Mary kind of thing. Yeah, right? which like, was sort of a drag, and it took a long time for me to, like, embrace it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I finally did. Like, I had a moment. I was in a Hobby Lobby where I was walking around, and, uh, and it, it just dawned on me. I started to cry. I'm like, nobody cares that I'm here. Mm. I've cried in Hobby Lobby too. Yeah, I know. But not for the same reason. Not for the same reason. No, like I had that moment where I'm like, nobody cares that I'm here. Nobody needs me to fix a problem, answer a question, sign a thing, you know, delegate. Like I I was like, "Mm, I don't have any purpose. I'm Mm. like just in Hobby Lobby and nobody cares that I am anywhere. And then I was like, oh, I get it. Like that's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Well, there is somebody. God cares that I was in Hobby Lobby. (laughs) He knows your name. Yeah. Uh, which is a bigger deal than all the accolades. We can oh, for sure. And I did learn that and it was very sweet. And like, I took a minute, but like I did learn that. And I'm yeah. like, gosh, it's that moment where like when Jesus is all you have. Yeah. You're like, oh, it was just uh, so sweet. And there's so many things that I just don't miss about being that crazy person yeah. that I you know, wanted to be. But um, so another thing too was like, I just knew that I wasn't supposed to um, go after anything. Right. So I, I, I love to work. I'm not going to not work. I just knew that for a season, the Lord was like, just, sure. you know, and um, that he would bring me the thing. And what is the it. thing? So um, I, maybe like six months into my sabbatical, um, somebody reached out to me and asked if I would interview for, it was actually a really cool organization, a refugee or- organization in Chicago. And yep. I'm like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Like I didn't, like they reached out to me. Yeah. And so I went to the interview and it was downtown. And um, I mean, th- three minutes into this thing, I was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't get out there fast enough. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't it. And so like, even on the train home, I'm like, well, what was that? And he's like, you will know. I'm like, oh yeah. Like I know that that wasn't it. And so it was just literally just like allowing the Lord to direct my steps. Yep. And so then um, eventually uh, a friend reached out and asked if I'd be a part of a project. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I did little things, but I was waiting for like the big thing, you know? Right. And um, I was like, yeah, sure. And so, and then that's just what the Lord used to be like, okay. Mm. So I have to tell you something. Yeah. I, I'm very sad that I'm going to stop talking to you in a minute because I could talk to you for a long time. I have a thousand other questions, but okay. I have to tell you something. This yeah. I hope this encourages you. Uh, I was this weekend, I was with a bunch of other pastors and we went down to uh, Nashville and we were having a conversation with a guy who was kind of facilitating some, some leadership thinking around what is a ideal disciple? That was the kind of the question. How do you define what an ideal disciple is? And then how do you program around? Is this church stuff, right? Uh, but one of the little activities he had us do was that we had to list out, he called it the, uh, the top 10 saints activity and you had to list out people who are in your church who are are like absolute saints like people who you'd say if we could just prop them up and say follow them as they follow christ they would be it 
And your name was like one of the first ones on the list. <laughs> I know, crazy. What? Yeah. I just want you to know that. Wow. And I've been meaning to tell everybody that. You know who else's name was on that who? list? This woman named Sherry Watson. Do you know who that is? I don't. Yeah. Sherry Smith. <laughs> but they wouldn't let us put any staff members' names on there. And all the guys in the room were like, well, we'll just call her Sherry Watson then. Because if we could, if we could uh, clone her... We would turn her, that we want everybody to be like that. Mm. But I say That's that to awesome. you because uh, through all of the challenges that you've had, uh, the fruitfulness is pretty evident in the, the hearts and minds of other people as they look on and see how it is that you live your life, which mm. is, a, I know, you're, you're like me. You're probably like, oh, shut up. That's awful. Yeah. But you should take that as uh, a great uh, affirmation of the Spirit's work in you. And so uh, all of the training and challenges and things like that have yielded some pretty great fruit, I think. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much uh, for being here. And um, you have anything else to say? No last words? I feel like I should give you last words. Oh. All right. No. no. You got nothing. <laughs> I've said them all. For the rest of you, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you the next time. Mm-hmm.